Once again, Robert Nauer, Unfiltered. Well, this is a different episode. It could have been in season one, where I did topics about government contracting. And it also can be in episode, uh, season three, my latest episode, which is where I think I'm going to put it instead of contracting, because what it is is a little story about life and a person, a stripper, a pole dancer, who wanted to get into government contracting. And I thought that was a pretty interesting story, at least in my life. And it also taught me about interactions with people who wanted to get into government contracting. So here it goes. Back in around 2010, uh, I had published an article in what's called GovLoop, G-O-V-L-O-O-P, the govloop.org, I believe it was. It's an online website for federal, state, and local employees to post information relevant to working for the government and even specifically for contracting. And the article that I wrote at the time, just after I had left the federal government and retired, was a story about how at the time anybody could, if they really wanted to, could apply for and get a job in government contracting, at least with the federal government. And it also gave them information about different avenues working for state and local government, as well as contractors. But the focus was on the federal government and contracting. And I had a number of people, uh, well over a hundred, send me emails, because I had posted my personal email, something you shouldn't do, on the website where they could get in contact with me to ask me questions. Because the whole process about getting a federal government job in contracting, starting out at the bottom as an intern or entry mid-level, is a little bit daunting for most people. It still is quite daunting when you look at usajobs.gov. But I got this one email from what I did not understand at the time was a female, uh, because it was kind of nondescript asking me questions and asking me if I could call the number that was given to me to explain in more detail what was needed to be done in order to get a job with the federal government in contracting. And at the time, I had formed my own company, a DC consulting firm, and I was pretty busy, but I'm the kind of guy that I like to mentor people. I still kind of like to mentor people. Uh, even at 70 years of age. but So I called this number, and nobody answered except this female's voice. And I could not tell if she was black or white or Asian. Uh, sounded mostly white to me, but it's really not the point. And so I left a message. I said, hey, this is Mr. Nauer, and uh, you asked me to call your number to discuss job opportunities in the federal government and how to get in, and so I'm doing it. So since you're not answering, here's my personal phone number. Give me a call back, and I'll be happy to speak with you. And so I did. And lo and behold, about a week later, I get this off-the-cuff 
out-of-the-blue phone call while I was driving my car. And, of course, I can't talk while I'm driving my car. And uh, she told me who she was, and the name's not important. And she alluded that she worked at Cherry Point, North Carolina, where the Marine Corps base is located. And I asked her, I said, well, okay, what kind of job do you do right now? Uh, because I need to determine if you have any background uh, and for what kind of government job and contracting you could possibly start off in, whether at entry level, an internship, or mid-grade. And she really didn't want to tell me, and I can now understand why, but I was able to finally get it out of her, and I said, well, I really need to know these things. And she told me her name, and I said, let's say it's Deborah. It wasn't Deborah, but let's just say it's Deborah. And I said, Deborah, here's the deal. I said, do you have a college degree? She said she did. I said, is it in business? She said, parts of it are. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she says, well, I have an undergraduate degree in business, but my uh, regular degree uh, is just general. And I told her what the federal government's requirements were that you had to have a degree in business, at least 24 semester hours worth, to get your foot in the door, and that would become as a trainee. And I told her how the process worked from entry level, becoming an intern, working your way up, going through the probationary period. And I told her what the salary scales, and I told her where to go to OPM and to GSA to find out all this information about the salary scales and what her future would look like if she were to ever get herself a job with the federal government. And she was quite impressed with the fact that the federal government paid so much money in the long run. We don't really consider it a lot of money for what we do. Industry still pays far superior. Um, but for most people, to be a GS-11 or GS-12 is... Uh, Pretty damn good. So I finally was able to get out of her. I said, well, what are you doing right now? She said, well, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I was married to a Marine Corps guy, and um, and I got knocked up, and I had a child, and um, and I needed a job, and, and he, he basically left me, and left me destitute with no money. And I was listening to this kind of chagrined, listening to this kind of sad story. I said, but what are you doing right now? And she said, uh, I'm a pole dancer at a, at a strip club near the base. And I said, so you're a, you're a stripper? And she goes, yep. And she goes, now, don't think badly of me. I don't do drugs and I don't do sex. And I've never been in trouble with the law. But she goes, I know it would not look good on my resume to put down that I'm a pole dancer or a stripper. I said, no, it probably wouldn't. I said, but, I said, uh, if I was the hiring manager, it would probably tweak my interest, <laughs> to say the least. But I said, you're going to find that, yes, most hiring managers and most senior contracting people would be the final hiring authority would look down on you and judge you because of what you are today. No different than how somebody might look down on you if you were a prostitute or uh, had been homeless. And, and the fact is we shouldn't. And, and I said, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't look at you that way. I said, I would consider just you, the person, your demeanor, 
if I was to see you face to face. And I would, if I had the ability, I would probably give you the opportunity because you seem like, I said, Deborah, that you want to really put every effort to making a better life for you and your child. And she said, I do. And, and at that point, she started to sob. She started to cry. And I was a little choked up by that, and I felt bad. I said, you know, I said, Deborah, don't feel ashamed of yourself because of what you do and what you're trying to do for your child. Don't be ashamed ever for trying to put a roof over your head and feed yourselves and clothe yourselves. I said, what you do is admirable, though some will certainly look down on it. But I said, that's not me. And I said, and you may uh, have a tougher time getting your foot in the door, and maybe there's a way to tweak your resume to make it not look so tainted. But I said, the f if your grades were good in college and your previous jobs leading up to your marriage to the Marine Corps guy uh, was good and you have some references and you show an earnest willingness to really, really want to get into contracting and do something with your life, I said, most intelligent hiring managers might give you a shot. I said, I know I would, but uh, but it also depends on how you dress. Uh, hiring managers are going to look at you and say, do you have tattoos on your neck, on your face, on your hands? Because quite frankly, I said, Deborah, tattoos, if you have any, you might want to get rid of them because in the federal government, um, it is not seen, and, and quite frankly, it is not professional to have your body all tatted up. So if you want a great career and you want to do things with your life, if you have any tattoos, you need to get rid of them or you at least need to hide them and not talk about them and not show them. And she said, I understand. I said, do you have any? And she goes, I have a couple on my arm. I said, can you cover them up? So if you ever go to an interview and, um, and always keep them covered up? And she said, I can. I said, then that would be okay. But I said, if you have any on your face or your neck, you might as well just kind of forget it right now because you ain't ever going to get a job anywhere, at least not in the federal government for the most part. Maybe you wouldn't law enforcement or something, but not in government contracting. Because government contracting people, I said, Deborah, represent the face of the government. When we meet with industry um, CEOs and representatives, prospectively about contracts that they may or may not get. I said, contracting people for the federal government need to look as professional as possible. We need to be well-spoken, and we need to be very articulate about the contracts that we intend to let. And, um, and that's the kind of people that we expect to hire. Now, if you're all of that and you're fully motivated to do the best you can, I said, then you, I say, go for it. And she says, well, how can I do that? And so I told her about the hiring process. I told her how difficult it was. And I said that you should never, ever let yourself be daunted by such a monumental task as trying to get a job with the federal government. It's not easy. In fact, it's probably one of the most difficult. It's probably even more difficult to get a federal job as a contracting specialist with the federal government than it is to join the military. <laughs> Join the military is easy. 
they will generally take anybody unless they have drug problems or a severe criminal record. But even those can be overlooked in some cases in the military, especially if you're going to be used as cannon fodder or ground pounders. But I said, if you want to be an officer or you want to be a contracting officer or a contract person, you really need to um, have a good record. So she sounded a little sad when I told her all that. And she said, I don't know if I'll ever get out of this position that I'm in, but I'm going to try. And I said, well, I'm supportive. That's all you can do. You can keep plugging away. And I said, don't forget one thing. Um, we all fail. It's how many times we fail. But if you think you're going to fail and you give up, then you will never succeed. You have to believe that at some point you are going to succeed. And you can get turned down and turned down and turned down for uh, job announcements that you apply for. But eventually, you may secure that one job interview that may luckily involve somebody who's open-minded like me and would be willing to hire you and give you a shot as an intern. And I said, and one of the best ways to do that, quite frankly, Deborah, is to look for those federal agencies that are looking to hire interns. Not all of them do. The Defense Department does, the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Defense Contract Management Command all have intern programs, as well as does the uh, Park Service, uh, excuse me, the uh, Department of Interior has an intern program and a couple others, but not all federal agencies do. So I said, your best shot is to focus on those federal agencies that hire interns and be willing to start off at the bottom. And then became the other issue. Um, she said, well, even if I was, how would I be able to do that? And I said, well, you need to do a monumental effort of phone calls, letter writing to either the commanding officer, or the director, or assistant director of the agency, and tell them your situation, ask for a personal 30-minute interview so they could see you, because they truly need to see you as a person, how you dress, how you react. And I've told several people in the past, in fact, one young lady who today is working for the Defense Contract Management Agency as a GS-12, she started off as a GS-5 in an intern program up in uh, Manassas, Virginia, and she did it because she did what I told her to do. She went into the phone book, called the commander of the DCMA in Manassas, um, asked for an interview. She was able to be granted a 15-20 minute interview, told the commander what she wanted to do with her life. She was at the time in uh, billboard advertising and knew nothing about federal contracting. But she told the commander what she aspired to and what she was willing to do, which is basically anything. And in the federal government, they require you to sign a mobility statement. And even though she was married, she was willing to do that. And so he was so impressed, he actually said, go ahead and put your uh, job announcement application in, and we will make sure that we get it. And, and he did, and they reviewed it, and they called her in for a formal interview, and eventually she got the job with that Defense Contract Management Agency as a starting out brand new fresh GS-5, seven 
nine intern. I think it was a five, seven, nine, eleven intern, and beyond that point, she had to compete competitively for any job advancements. And so she did. So she is my case in point that proves anybody can do anything if you just listen to the advice of a mentor. And it doesn't really so much matter because she didn't have any experience in contracting or procurement at all. She was in marketing of billboards. What the hell does that got to do with federal contracting? But you being a pole dancer or a stripper is a whole different story. You really need to look in the mirror and be able to sell yourself. Pretend in a mirror who you are, what you want to be, and where you want to go in life. And you've got to sell it. And I said, if you can sell your body stripping on a pole in a strip club, Deborah, you can damn sure sell yourself in an interview. You've got to be positive. You've got to smile. You've got to be personal, engaging, and just go for it. Certainly, you may not get the job. Certainly, you may not um, succeed four or five or six or even ten times. But eventually, you will if you keep putting the same positive step forward in life. And so that's my story about a stripper at a Marine Corps base in North Carolina that wanted to become a federal contracting specialist. Whether she did or not, I will never know. She never called me back, never let me know. Um, I also had a handicapped individual, a severely handicapped individual, call me who worked for a furniture store, asking the same assistance. And I provided him the same advice that I gave Deborah. And I told him what he needed to do, how he needed to write and focus his application with the special keywords and how detailed he needed to be about his KSAPs or what's called knowledge, skill, and ability factors. And all the information that had to be absolutely perfect in his uh, job application and, and resume submittals and attachments. And that if he left anything else out, that uh, he would not have a shot. He eventually got a job offer from the Social Security Administration in Baltimore for a GS-13. He had experience in procurement. He did not have federal, state, or local procurement experience. He, he worked for his family retail store purchasing furniture and other things for their company. And so he had some, but how, how he got a 13 was absolutely astounding to me because I, when I got out of the Navy, I had to work up from a GS-9 to a 14. Uh, he didn't have to do that. I was astounded. So my belief is that anybody who puts their right foot forward and, and is positive and has a belief in themselves and can spell, can speak, can act appropriately, look professional, act professional, you have a chance to do anything with your life and get a well-paying job in the federal government. I wish I knew, and, and I don't know if Deborah or the person I'm speaking about would ever hear this particular podcast, but if that stripper from North Carolina uh, ever does listen to my podcast and uh, hears me talk about her, I sure wish you would get in contact with me and let me know 
what happened to you in your life. And so, with that uh, little tidbit of personal human interest, and there will be more in future podcasts because I have so many stories that have occurred over 45 years of my life, uh, I will get back and do another similar story in the near future. But even though this sort of deals with contracting, it's more of a human interest story, and that's why I've included it in Season 3. And so this will become Season 3, uh, Episode Number 9. And with that, Bob out. <laughs>